Welcome to Comic Virgin, the podcast that exposes a first-timer to the greatest comic stories ever printed on the formula page. From back alley vigilantes to space-faring demigods, none of their fingers in every tight little nook and cranny pop culture has to offer. And now, the hosts of Comic Virgin, Jason Stevens and Delaney Bowers. Hey everyone, welcome to Comic Virgin. My name is Jason Stevens. And I'm Delaney Bowers. And each episode, Delaney will be tackling some of comics' finest offerings for the very, very first time. I'm like a little baby. Like a tiny, little, mean-spirited baby. Who knows? how to read, and to form conclusions on her own. Yes, and this week's reading is none other than Todd McFarlane's Spawn, Al Simmons, undead, hamburger-faced psychopath who's a mercenary and a husband, and, well, Melbosia wants him to be the head of his army. And uh, we tackled Volume 1, which covered issues 1 through 6 of the series, and uh, so that was Delaney's introduction. It was, and that's all you need to know. I was introduced. Thank you. <laughs> I really do appreciate it. This is probably one of um, the, you know, I just had a really good time reading this. Uh, it took me a few days, but it, there was a style about it that I was just really drawn to. And so I'm glad that uh, we had this early on. Yeah, yeah. So Delaney, obviously a fan of straight up 90s action. I mean, I am a 90s baby, mm-hmm. prime 1990, so this came out a few years later. Again, two years old, reading it, maybe not baby appropriate. <laughs> uh, for any of you who may not have read Spawn or don't know who Spawn is, you might not be a comic fan, but uh, for all of you, of course, Spawn is the creation of Todd McFarlane, the 1990s superstar artist who kicked things off uh, with Amazing Spider-Man, then got his own book writing and drawing the actual Spider-Man title, uh, and then, of course, in 1992, left with a number of Marvel's hotshot artists, including Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee, and others, to create Image Comics, one of the, well, and still, um, is the third biggest comic company going today. Uh, Spawn Issue 1 came out in May of... Well, said May of 1992, but it came out in June. And it uh, it features Mr. Al Simmons, a mercenary who uh, gets killed, sent to hell, gets returned to Earth because the love of his for his wife is so great, he can't be away from her. He, does, he makes a deal to come back. But it doesn't go as planned. That's a classic story right there. Classic story. Tell as old as time. How could you say no to it? McFarlane knew what he was doing. Exactly. Well, I know that you grew up with this comic. Yes. I was 11 when this came out. Prime time. Prime time. Um, Again, I was two years old. Yes. Maybe a bit of a difference right there. Mm Mm-hmm. But was this something that you read week after week when it was it published weekly uh monthly monthly yes Uh, mostly monthly these guys didn't have editorial teams so they kind of put stuff out as they put stuff out 
And were your friends reading this at the same time? Yes. Uh, this was like during the 90s boom for uh, sports cards and comic books. And uh, I remember all of the image books, of course, Youngblood, uh, Rob Liefeld's title was the first image book to be released. I remember us waiting outside of the sports card store that also sold comics to pick up Youngblood. We also did the same thing with Spawn, with uh, Wildcats, with uh, Shadowhawk, Savage Dragon, all these different ones from Image. It was such a big deal, mostly because at the time we were so hot off of coming off of like the relaunch of X-Men, which at the time, well up until maybe for still, is the highest selling comic. It sold 8 million copies was Jim Lee's X-Men. Um, Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man sold a few million, which it came out before. Um, these guys were just like hot shot artists. These were their creations. And it was kind of that like, you know, 11 years old, you're kind of getting into that. Like you want to be like the cool teenage kids. And like these are obviously the cool teenage comics that those guys were reading. And so it was quickly like, oh, I don't really need Batman. Look at this guy. He's got spikes and he's killing people. Like, you know. And was this like origins story... I would say maybe the issues that we read, right? One through six. Were mm -hmm. those ones that you would, like, come back to every so often? Or is it just so sort of, like, ingrained into your memory? Oh, yeah. No, it, it at the time, it was one of those things where this was so fresh that you get it. And then you're waiting on the second issue to come out. And the art's so great. And it's these new characters. So I would read it multiple times. Also, at the time, I was drawing a lot. And I would... I would, you know, I would basically redraw images that I saw in the pages and, yeah, a lot of McFarlane stuff. And I think that's actually a text that I sent you, is that, like, your handwriting mm -hmm. totally resembles the lettering that is in here. Like, yeah, it's, there's just, like, a connection for me. It looks exactly the same. Yes. Uh, for everyone listening, I I handwrite print in all caps. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> it's just a thing I do. Oh, I do it, too. So maybe we're both crazy. <laughs> I like that. But uh, so what are your, like, coming back to, like, the very basics, what are your initial reactions when reading through these first issues again? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I revisited Spawn about a year ago. Uh, I got the first compendium, and I was just kind of going through. And so I, I remember these stories anyway, but I went back and specifically read these first six, and... There's just so much of Spawn's story now that I know that it's surprising how much of the groundwork is laid out in these first six issues. Um, they're very pointed. They're really getting the point across. And most of these characters that are introduced in these first six issues and the concepts, they travel on. Spawn is the longest-running independent comic of all time. It's well over issue 300. There are currently, as of this recording, um, three or four monthly spawn titles coming out like there's uh, basically every week there's a new spawn book almost um not to mention the action figures are back like it's prime time um and is mcfarland still the one who's like drawing he he generally does a cover for each issue which has multiple covers and he will um sometimes ink or draw over some of the artist's stuff. Some of us will draw a page or a panel. He, he just kind of does whatever he feels like um, when it comes to that. He's like a millionaire, right? So he can just do whatever he wants. He's very rich, and he's surrounded <laughs> by yes-men, and he's, he's a wild one. Um, he's a big toy magnet now as he, as he produces all the DC comic action figures and the spawn action figures. Uh, however, 
there there was a very much a time where Spawn, and, and I mean, people who are Spawn fans may trust me. It does. It gets not good. Like Spawn gets very not good after a while. I, it may have been the grind. It may have been he wanted to do so much other stuff and and the Spawn movie and everything. But he was putting out Spawn. Art was great. Capullo did art after McFarlane quit doing it for a while. But just the story just kind of drug and drug and drug, almost like it was just putting them out to put them out. And then some of those issues became very low print run or now very expensive. Mm. Um, but past couple of years, I mean, I've got to admit, like, Todd's back on his game. Like, Spawn's been good. It's made me want to go back and catch up. So um, I can't fault him there. You guys can't see it, but there's a little sparkle in his eye right now. Really hyped for Spawn. I like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Spawn, Spawn looks cool. Yeah. He, he just looks very cool. Right. I, um, in the publication that I have, um, the Origins Collection, mm-hmm. sort of volume one, um, there are insights that are written by McFarlane before most of the issues um, that sort of talk about like the history of Spawn and McFarlane's inspirations and his connections oh. with the stories that are in here. Mm-hmm. So it's like um, pieces that have been pulled from interviews. And so I think it just really helps to ground McFarlane's intentions in creating this character. And so before issue one, uh, McFarlane talks about how he like first conceived of the idea for Spawn in high school. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like so apparent to me in the opening line that says, like, I don't belong here. And it's just, like, the most sort of, like, even though it wasn't written while he was in high school, I still think that there are, like, these looming questions, like, where do I fit in? And, like, how do I best use my abilities? And just feeling like an outsider. And, like, those sort of things don't go away as we get older. Um, And it's just, like, Spawn sort of grapples with all of these things throughout the series. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, wow. You know, you can see a consistent thread throughout all of these issues. Yeah, so we've talked about how I feel about Spawn. Let's talk about your first shot at Spawn here. Like, opening it up, I mean, there's the giant... There's plenty of splash page artwork in this. Right, and that's what, like, one of my first notes was, like, everything about this style just screams, like, 90s to me. Mm -hmm. Like, when I think of sort of, like, these pulpy comic books, like, this is the style that I think of. And, I mean, there's just, like, so much detail that's in every single panel. And I think there's also just, like, a great use of the entire page, right? It's, like, rich and full and really gross and grimy <laughs> and vibrant. And it gets really gory yeah. in some panels. Lots of lots of uh, skin flaps and teeth. Everyone has a lot, a lot of, of teeth. A lot of teeth. Yes. Yeah, like, multiple rows of them. A lot of, like folds mm-hmm. a lot of like stubble and hair that's just really gross like scabs are mm-hmm. in there too mm-hmm. and another thing it, this is something that we had mentioned before that i really appreciate is that it gets really heavy-handed on the exposition again so i don't have to think too hard about where it's going or like what i am reading so like he's a simple man and his motivations are clear mm-hmm. and i just really appreciate that because i'm a little dumb dumb when it comes to <laughs> comics and so anything that makes it easier like an easier point of entry sign me up yeah. and I, i'm sure as you noticed in this one which of course this was made up of multiple issues from a time when now a lot of comic stories are written with the graphic novel the trade paperback in mind like they know they're going to be collected they wanted a solid story 
at the time that Spawn came out, I mean, these were single issues, and just like the Comic Virgin podcast, every episode or issue could be someone's first. So they make sure to tell you why Spawn is who he is, who all the characters are, who the players are in every issue at some point. Did you notice that in your reading that they made sure to keep bringing that up? Yeah, I did. And I think that was really helpful for me or just like provided even just like, you know, one iota's bit more of information that sort of like helped put the puzzle together for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I won't, again, I won't turn that down if it's offered to me. I'll really sort of gobble it up (laughs) in true comic virgin style. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm sorry, Mom and Dad, if you're listening. (laughs) Okay, so this time you were like, we're going to keep it short. We're going to keep it breezy. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, totally. I'm not going to take as many notes. And then I'm like, 45 notes in. (laughs) Well, well, Spawn's just such a fun, like, bombastic thing. And it's just overly dark Mm -hmm. and overly violent and then also silly. You know, oh, yeah, I so wrote many that. characters mm-hmm. are so silly looking. It's yeah, great. I just wrote dum dums. Yes, like a lots lot of, of dum dums. Yeah, and you know, there's a reason those people are homeless. <laughs> They're dum dums. Oh no, hot take. Um, it's the heat, guys. It's really <laughs> making us both very cranky. <laughs> but yeah, I you know, if we just want to go ahead and start going through it, you know, and you, you stop me whenever because you're the you're the spawn expert over there. Oh, I am. I am no expert. <laughs> But yeah, I think, uh, as I mentioned before, it starts out with that, like, very moody, very dramatic, angsty, I don't belong. Mm -hmm. And on the very end of that page, it says, I want to die again. And I'm like, McFarlane knows what he's doing with that line. And so I guess I was just, like, willing enough to go along Mm -hmm. for the ride. Like, I was like, again. Again. And, like,. Obviously, right? Like we know where it's going, but it was just something that had that tiny little hook that I was, I was ready to go. Yeah, and then as, as you go, you notice uh, one big story. A, a, a way that McFarlane gets a lot of, of uh, story in is with these um, television personalities that you probably remind remind you of. The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh no, there's so much writing on these pages. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I really appreciate about these newscasters is that they are consistent throughout the first few issues. Um, And so we have sort of like the CNN reporter who's just like a standard news reporter, right? Um, Sort of reporting on the death of Al Simmons from Mm -hmm. the get-go. We have um, another guy who sort of looks like a toad with a beard, like this political pundit um, who draws attentions to Simmons's like questionable past in connection with the federal government. He's sort of like the conspiracy. He, he is very much, and and these same three newscasters, they're in the comic now. Oh, perfect. Yes. So like, and he very much is that type of guy. Right. Yeah. And then you have this guy from Channel 7 um, who is just all about, like, style and fashion and fluff pieces. Not crazy about how they chose to portray this character as, like, overly effeminate mm-hmm. um, with, you know, like, homosexual undertones. And it's like, why did we have to go there? Why was that a thing? I'm going to chalk it up to June of 1992. Yeah, maybe that's just the best way to explain it. We'll go with that. (laughs) Um, We do have a very sort of quick synopsis or recap from Simmons' point of view early on, right? So, like, 
He was an American soldier? Yeah, like a spec ops, black ops CIA guy. Okay. And it shows, like, a, a memory of his wife and how he had died. And there's, like, a supernatural entity. And then he made a promise, right? So we're starting to sort of get the skeleton of what the narrative is going to look like for the next few issues. So they don't come right out and say it. Mm-hmm. We're getting these glimpses. Yeah, because I don't think that... He he doesn't fully remember, correct? Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning. Right, right. Also, um, you know, he's on this sort of like quest to locate his wife, mm-hmm. right? So he sort of like comes back um, from the dead. I'm curious about, is this a countdown clock? Yes. Or what is that? Can so you explain that's, that to uh, me? Yeah, the first one... Um, it's like a a golden oval, and it's got the the four green nines in it. That's that's the the height of his power. So spawns have a finite amount of like I guess necroplasm. I believe is what they call it. At some Ooh, point, I've never heard that before. <laughs> I like it. And uh, as he uses his powers, the numbers drop. And mm. there's uh, basically I don't know. He gets sent back, and of course, you make a deal with the devil. There's always a catch. And so things get put into Spawn's path to get him to use his power, because as soon as he hits zero, back to hell, and he has to lead an army. Okay. Yes. Thank you for helping to uh, put that into perspective. I'm not sure how many issues it is before they talk that could be issue 20 i I can't remember does it ever hit all zeros yes Ooh, but like oh al Al, Al goes to hell he kills melboja he goes to heaven and gets angel wings for a while he gets resurrected again there's a different person that spawned like there's a lot there's it's 300 ish yeah if it's the (laughs) longest running indie comic is that what you Mm -hmm. said you got to get a little creative yes a little loosey-goosey with how you uh I liken it to uh, to the television show Supernatural as in, like, the first stuff is kind of Monster of the Week, and then it just, like, there's, like, look, we got to keep this thing going. So they just bring in a million characters, and they just go wild. You love that show. I do love that show. I'll tell you what. We are then introduced to Maximilian Twitch Williams and Detective Sam Burke. You know, I really do appreciate this oddball couple mm-hmm. and sort of their strained work relationship or partnership um you have one guy who's very overbearing sort of very by the book right like Mm -hmm. that's you know he keeps to the letter of the law twitch is sort of this squirrely guy who appears straight laced but he knows a lot of loopholes yes yeah sam and twitch are characters that are they've had their own mini series there's been rumor they were gonna have a television show for a while um that way they could do like spawn universe stuff without having to have all those special effects all the time, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, Sam and Twitch are like, yeah, everyone that read Spawn primarily liked them. They had action figures almost immediately when oh, the Spawn nice. figures first came out. Mm-hmm. like, And, of course, Sam came with a donut because why wouldn't he? Classic. What uh, sort of items would you come with if you were turned into an action figure? Oh. What accessory? Just one accessory, just, what would you have? Just a ton of hands. Just a ton of hands. All the better to grab you with. Mm -hmm. Yikes. So when we're introduced to these two guys, we also learn about a slew of mobsters, right, who are being killed. They're having their harps. Their harps. Yeah, their their harps are unstrung. (laughs) Maybe 
maybe that's just the best way to put it. Their hearts are being torn out of their chests, mm-hmm. uh, shoved down their throats. Yeah, multiple crime families. Right. Oh, that's right. It's yep. not just... Okay, so it's across the board. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically like all that there's... I think... Uh, I want to say they say there's eight crime families in New York at the time. Mm-hmm. And like the... Um, Giovanno? Giamatti? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Giovanno is the one who kind of comes out on top during all of this. Okay. As like the kind of the last the last mob boss is standing. Right. And we have this one scene um, where Spawn mm-hmm. is uh, fighting off would-be rapists in an alleyway, yes. right? Sort of that was the transition from the detectives like into Spawn actually sort of like using his powers maybe to fight fight off these um, folks and mm-hmm. during this time like he's reminded of his wife yeah. so like the woman is in danger he's thinking of his wife and he just goes absolutely ape shit <laughs> uh, on these men yes this also shows uh, McFarlane's transition from Spider-Man to his own book with the beginning of the violence that he can just unleash oh <laughs> Well, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) But, you know, um, at the end of this scene, it's a little weird, right? Because the woman who was just about to be sexually assaulted is now having to comfort Spawn. Because he's he's turning into a mess. Yeah, he's like a little baby. Yeah, she's like not wearing anything and she's just having to cradle him. Mm -hmm. Not into it. (laughs) Two thumbs down for that. In and out. All right, this is the point where I'm a little confused. So that was in 1987, uh, all of these things that just took place. And now we've jumped to 1992, so it's five years later. Yes. Um, Where was Spawn for five years? Does that really... Am I just missing something or not making Uh, a connection there? Okay. The 1987 Mm -hmm. was when... Al Simmons was killed. Right. 1995 is when Spawn comes back. The devil fucked him. He brought him back five years later. Five years later. Which allowed Wanda to move on with her life. Gotcha. Have Cyan, the little girl. Mm -hmm. She married Terry Fitzgerald, his buddy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just one of the ways Melboja fucked Al Simmons. Gotcha. Okay, so that was that five years from 87 to 92. He was brought back in 92. Yeah, so he was in hell for five years. Yes, okay. But time for him isn't... Gotcha. Yeah. So okay. he, for him, it's just like immediately. Right. Yeah. Um, again, we have these newscasters. Shout out to the style newscaster who is now on entertainment news. He he's really moved up. He's, he's really up. worked his way up. Yep. Um, with all of his uh, juicy gossip that he has to share with folks. A few pages later, we see Spawn in his like human-esque form Mm -hmm. right what he looks like underneath his costume it's really gross it's a little reminiscent of deadpool yes right like with something all like the facial scarring and like the weird deformities Mm -hmm. yeah it's like it's sort of sort of like burnt but also kind of rotted there's like no nose well sometimes there is it depends how he feels like drawing him Mm -hmm. um but yeah uh hamburger head was kind of the descriptor. Jason. There, there was even an action figure with the mask off that was called Hamburger Head Spawn. 
Oh. So that's that's just a McFarlane. That's him being mean to that corpse. So do you, you at some point, eventually, like, see his entire face in, like, hamburger head form? Yeah, I mean, he's heavily shadowed in the beginning, but mm-hmm. they, they, yeah, it, his face becomes... Um, he crosses over with Batman eventually for, like, an issue, mm-hmm. and Batman slices his face open with a batarang. McFarlane kept that canon. In the following issue of Spawn, he has a hobo sew Spawn's face up with a shoelace, and he looks like a football. And he's like that for years and years and years. years because he doesn't want to use his powers to heal his rotted corpse because he, by that point, he realizes that, like, He's on a time clock. Yeah, getting down to the wire. Yeah. Which, that's one of the benefits for Spawn is, um, with not using his powers, is that he was a high-level mercenary, which means he's well-versed in all weaponry and guns and explosives. Right. At the end of the first issue, um, we are met by a truly grotesque demon is this satan who is this i know that name might start with an m i will yeah. be referring to him as satan <laughs> melbolgia melbolgia yeah and melbolgia uh, these nuts <laughs> didn't, didn't no, quite work no no <laughs> i was really excited oh. for it too and it didn't <laughs> yeah he is the he is the de facto head of hell for this comic mm-hmm for this time frame. Yes. Okay. That's all. And I mean, the way that he's drawn, he has these horns and these really sort of sharp claws and this little mm-hmm. pot belly. And a big old underbite because McFarlane loves a good underbite I on could, these guys. I could tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Several of these characters have a very similar <laughs> face shape. Yes. In issue two, at the very start, we are introduced to the Violator. Mm-hmm. And this guy is a little piggy with face paint. Yeah. Um, I uh, One of my notes that I had was I like he's purposefully drawn as like a slovenly shithead. Yes. And I don't know if this is wrong, but I have such a soft spot for him. Like from the get-go, mm-hmm. like he's violent and maladjusted and sinister, but he is one of these folks who's also a dum-dum. Yes. And I'm just <laughs> like, you know what? Okay. <laughs> For some reason, I give him a pass, even though he's a terrible... Uh, people love Clown. He, he He's... Yeah, people love him. Oh, should I be referring to him as Clown? Well, uh, that's... He calls himself the Violator in the beginning, but mm-hmm. when, you, when he's doing that, it's almost like he's boasting, and you're just like, what are you talking about, you little turd? You know right. what I mean? But when he's in that form... Most people call him clown, clown like around, okay. yeah, um, because that's supposedly what he is. I guess because he has blue face paint. I don't know. Don't you know? He's not the best clown. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, th- okay. In the movie that they did for Spawn, John Leguizamo played clown in a oh, giant like okay. fat suit. Mm-hmm. And so now, anytime I read Spawn or Clown's dialogue, it's John Leguizamo every time. I love that. He killed it in that role as clown. Or John Leguizamo. Yes. That movie's not the best, but he worth the watch. Great. A few pages after that, we have this scene uh, where, um, again, a mobster's heart Mm -hmm. is sort of ripped from his chest by a pale, spindly, undead monster. With a a giant underbite. With a giant underbite (laughs) and red eyes. And 
we're just to assume at this point, right, that there's like another one of these little sort of hellions that's running mm-hmm. around. Yeah, yeah. And the next page, when I tell you that it's covered <laughs> with blood and guts and saliva and brains, I mean, it's a really, it's a really gory page. Mm-hmm. But I love it because he looks so happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he looks so he's, proud he's of like himself. He's like rubbing his top horn. <laughs> it, yeah, that's really gross. <laughs> All these horns are in spots where they're mm-hmm. not supposed to be, and I am not a yes. fan. As an 11-year-old, I redrew that image of Violator one million times. <laughs> and I'm sure your mom was like, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have to have a talk. You know, at this stage, we're still getting the impression that Spawn is, like, figuring out what exactly his powers are what Mm -hmm. he has the capability of doing and my goodness uh he turns into a white man yes and uh what's going on in this scene and that's when you find out that al simmons is african-american yes (laughs) because he is not pleased with that transformation at all no i he says what a jolt it is it is another way that melboja has fucked Al Simmons. Ah, yes. Okay. So his wife won't even... He's not even in his regular body. Right. He's five years late to the party. Yes. He's just... Yeah. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense mm-hmm. um, as as far as recognition um, is concerned. Now, he doesn't turn... He doesn't use his powers to turn into him often. It's really mm-hmm. in these first issues when he does it. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that face again for a long time. But years, years down the road, that character, that face, is in a coma in a hospital. And when he wakes up, he's got the powers of Spawn and becomes like a televangelist second coming character for a while. It's pretty wild. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I I just have to read. That's information you don't need, (laughs) but uh, it just reminded me of that. Yeah, it it does come back around. I will have to read all of the issues in order until I get to that one. It's only natural. You know, we are given another clue at some point um, as to who Al Simmons was in the past. And this comes in the form of a flashback with a man named Jason Wynn. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like he was responsible for giving Al commands to murder people. Am I on the right track there? Yes, Jason Wynn is head of whatever black ops program that Al was a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is their relationship fleshed out in other issues? Yes. Okay. Yeah, like big time. Uh, Jason Wynn is... Yeah, I mean, he's basically... I mean, Violator's probably his most known enemy, but Jason Wynn is probably his actual arch enemy Mm -hmm. throughout the series. At this point, we see um, the Violator and Spawn are meeting in an alleyway. Clown version. Correct? Clown. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, clown and uh, spawn. I just couldn't remember. It's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm letting you know that in this scene <laughs> with clown and spawn, uh-huh. barbs are exchanged. There's like a bit of chest puffing between the two. There's like more smack talk and dick measuring. You know how it goes. Like mm-hmm. they're just sort of sizing each other up at this point. And I think it just gives you sort of a really good idea of what, um, not I want to say relationship, um, is, but maybe like how they interact with each other. Yeah, I, I think, and I, Al, of course, is just like 
you know, fuck you, little fat guy. But he knows that, obviously, he Clown knows a lot of stuff about what's going on, and yes. Al has no manual to how to work his powers or anything. So Right. So he's like his one sort of connection to mm-hmm. uh, what's just going on in his life. Here he is again. This funky-looking Satan creature. Say his name for me. Malbolgia. Malbolgia these nuts. Um, I'm so sorry. Once Yet he more. has no testicles. You can see him. <laughs> I, He's I completely see. nude. It's just well, a rounded I would say hump. a very uh, meaty thigh is in the way. No, so no, I don't know. No. I'm sure there's a butthole there, but there's <laughs> nothing else. Just a skin flap and a butthole. Uh, yeah. Okay. Ugh. That's... <laughs> You know what? It's too hot to think about that. So I'm just going to say, you know, this is when Melbolsha explains that Al has made a deal with him, but mm-hmm. that Al forgot to read the fine print. And so now this creature owns his soul and he must help him build his eternal army that will be damned forever. That's right. Who better to attack heaven with than a, uh, you know, a soldier that knows exactly what he's doing? At this point, things have happened. Mm-hmm. We have Spawn, who is increasingly sort of getting antsy and anxious to find where his wife is living mm-hmm. at this point, again, five years later. And so he sneaks into an office building, is that correct? And he um, finds the files um, about his wife, where she is living. And you know what? I think this is a really great example that shows that Spawn does have morals because he's threatening this office manager who is a creep, right? Mm-hmm. He's like a real lecherous sort of pervert coming on to his secretary. Yeah. Um, eventually, sort of Spawn sort of grabs him by the neck, holds him up, um, and demands that he starts paying alimony and child support or else he's <laughs> going to kill him. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> He's a softie underneath, right? He just wants what's best for the family. Yeah. And Al's so, a family man, first right, and foremost. Right. And so in spite of all of these things that I think happen, it's like no matter um, what that sort of devilish creature may imply, I yeah, Al's a good person-ish. Mm-hmm. Or he has, again, family at heart. Yes. He, he, because he, he, he was a mercenary. He did. He does yeah. a lot of murder, yes. <laughs> He murders a lot of people, but mm-hmm. family on the brain. Yes. So, heart of gold right there. We learn that his wife now resides in Queens, but something is amiss. Mm-hmm. So, he um, decides to track her down in this um, white man surfer dude version of himself. And... He finds the home, locates the address, and when his wife opens the door, oh my goodness, she's like in full ball gown, looking like a Miss America pageant (laughs) contestant, and it's like the hokiest sort of thing. I mean, she's beautiful, Mm -hmm. right? But it is like such a 90s vibe. There's just like an aura there around her. Yes. And so... uh, she's She's basically like, I mean... Not quite like a pinup, but um, like a supermodel-esque almost. Right. Which McFarlane was used to. In the 90s, when he was doing uh, Spider-Man, of course, Mary Jane always dropped... Which Mary Jane is a supermodel in the comics. Oh. But 
McFarland definitely took advantage of uh, of that. Yes. Yeah. Thirty six, twenty five, thirty four. <laughs> a Nelly lyric is what's going on. Yeah, um, oh, oh, Wanda. <laughs> right here. Yes, Wanda Blake. Uh. You know, in this interaction with her, he sees that she has a daughter now, Cyan. Mm-hmm. Um, and he learns that he is actually the reason why she couldn't have children. Mm-hmm. And this, like, very, <laughs> like, he's presenting himself as some sort of, like, door-to-door salesman or something yes, along yeah. those lines. Like, why the fuck is he here in the first place? And he has no actual merchandise in his hands at yeah, all. Yeah, no, it's just right. like, okay, here's this guy on my doorstep. Um, she reveals like very personal information about <laughs> herself. Again, he learns that, you know, he was the problem, why she couldn't conceive. And then he faints, right? Like this sort of like spiritual form leaves his body. Mm-hmm. And then when he wakes up, he's surrounded by his former best friend, Terry, mm-hmm. um, by his former wife, Wanda. And then they all proceed to have, like, a full-blown therapy session between Wanda, Al, and Terry about, like, heartache and loss and loneliness and (laughs) happiness, like, on their front porch with this man who is totally a stranger. And I... It's... It's, like, the least realistic thing for me. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I can buy into a demon. Yeah. I can't buy into this, like, three pages of... This is the part... (laughs) That this is the thing that happens when a superstar artist has his creation, has full control, no editorial team, and maybe just isn't versed in some of the finer points of writing. He's very heavy-handed. Yeah, there's nothing fine about no. this. It's like a telephone book to the head with yes. description. Mm-hmm. And while I do, again, appreciate that approach, I mean, this was... <laughs> this was overload. I was bogged down by it. I was like, what is happening here? It's they're, just so they're absurd. They're all in touch with their feelings. <laughs> they're very open. Yeah, and then they're just like, have a great day. And he <laughs> leaves. Like, okay, that's realistic. Jason, mm-hmm. this is a big reveal. Yes. Where we learn that clown, mm-hmm. that old little shitbird, is actually the violator. Yes. So that nasty little goblin that's been ripping the hearts out of people, that's who it is. Yes. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I'm just like daydreaming right now about that transition from clown into does he have a after, specific after, name? after we finish recording we're just, we'll just watch that spawn movie and you can see it all okay before your very eyes i'm really looking forward to it there is actually a very good hbo animated series that came out um years ago that still holds up and so when we see um you know clown's true form is violator mm-hmm. again they get into this sort of like knock down drag out fight between the two of them yes um violator what he attempts to rip out spawn's heart (laughs) spoiler alert he can't because spawn isn't human yes and that's just like the end of the third yeah it's you showing that like i think that that's the yeah he pulls the heart and then it's just spawn's just got a big glowing hole in his chest he doesn't care it's fine yeah at the start of issue four, mm-hmm. again, we have the entire backstory retold to us as if we hadn't just read the last three issues. Yeah. 
So Al Simmons died, made a deal with the devil to be brought back to life, to see his wife. She's now married his best friend. He has no wife, no identity, and no pride. I said, thanks, McFarlane. (laughs) You know what? And here's just like this claw, this bloody clawed hand holding Spawn's heart. Mm -hmm. And all behind it just says thump, 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 thump. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That was fantastic. (laughs) I really, um, this is just sort of like a small little note. Mm-hmm. Are these um, spiked, like, brass knuckles, are those anything of importance? No, they're is just part of the suit. A part of the yeah, suit. just spikes. Yep. And is there anything important about his suit in particular? Yeah, his suit is... McFarlane even... I don't even know how... I guess it's fine because it's not, like, copyrighted, but the suit is even called a symbiote. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like a hell symbiote or whatever. I forget mm-hmm. what they call it exactly eventually. But it, it it can transition over him, much like Venom's symbiote. Mm-hmm. Um, the cape also expands and moves on its own, which is basically Todd McFarlane's way of being able to be like, hey, if I want to draw his cape and it looks like it's a mile long and then the next panel is not, fuck off, it's a symbiote. Yeah. Yes. Don't hold me accountable. Nope. The chains <laughs> move on their own. Like, it's, 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 it's basically... And a symbiote, I, th- I want to say it's attached to maybe Spawn's spine, mm-hmm. but like it's it's definitely a part of him. Gotcha. Here's nothing new. Uh, the Violator and Spawn get into another mm-hmm. knockdown, drag out hey, fight. Man, people want to see McFarlane draw these fights. <laughs> <laughs> they are kicking the snot out of each other. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of their sort of massive temper tantrums, you just have this page where someone says, enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I really love this two-page spread that's going on here. Um, the devil himself, right, sort of reared back, um, is he's coming to give a lengthy explanation as to who he is and what he's all about. As the devil does. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't have a story like this without some sort of, like, mm-hmm. villain. He's got to monologue it up. Yeah. Oh, I love a good monologue. So he refers to uh, the Violator and Spawn as sort of brothers, right? Mm. Um, and then he says, and like it or not, I'm your daddy. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me later about that. That's fine. But this is the part, uh, one, where I stopped writing out my notes because my hand was cramping. So from here <laughs> on out, it's a freestyle. <laughs> but... Um, I actually sort of got the impression that he's not that bad of a guy. Maybe I'm just interpreting this incorrectly, but he's like, I want you guys to kill the bad people. And then what? They join him in yeah. the army? Yeah, he just he's building his army of hell by getting all these horrible people to hell faster. Oh, so he's not wanting them dead dead, like gone for good. He No, he he, he wants them. He yeah. wants them to okay, be his Okay, well, pass. maybe I take it back that he's a good guy. Yeah. Because I just... Well, he is the devil. <laughs> I was like, maybe this is... He's flipping it on his head. No, he's not. I just... No. I did not interpret it correctly. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's actually nothing surprising for me mm-hmm. at this point. And also, you know, that little... That extra little bit, too, as he knows. The more that that happens, the more Al Simmons is going to use those powers up. And then he's back in hell quicker, too. Yes. So he's like... Making a concerted effort not to use the powers, right? And yeah, like at, th- at, this point, at this point, at this point, Spawn doesn't know that there's a 
limit. Oh, so okay. Spawn, like, in later issues, there's no way on Earth Spawn's going to change. That's why it never really happens again where he changes his body back because mm -hmm. it takes so much power and it's just like, why waste it doing that, you know? Right. In the next issue... Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the more uh, grotesque, heart-wrenching storylines that we've come across so far. We are introduced to Billy Kincaid. Billy Kincaid caused quite the stir amongst parents' groups when this comic came out. I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like some really dark stuff that McFarlane touches on. Very much so, yes. One of the things that it did remind me of, however, is when we we're first introduced to this um, psycho kid killer, mm -hmm. is that um, they found a loophole to release him early yes. from prison. And I sort of got the impression that, or, or made the connection that it was sort of like the Joker, right? That, like, he's shown his recognizance, like, you know, he's owned up, he's a sort of a reformed man. Yes. And... It, in, in this, I think part of it is that his family is very wealthy because he's convicted. I think he's only been convicted of one yes. girl's murder. However, he has killed 27 children. Right. And everyone seems to be sort of fine, seemingly fine with this. Yeah, they're except sort of sing-song and jokey about letting him out. Right. Uh, the same that they were with uh, the Joker when he was on uh, the David Letterman, right? They were mm -hmm. like, he killed 600 people, and then they all laughed, and then they all died. Yes. Um, but this page right here, oh, horrible. Mm -hmm. uh, so Billy Kincaid worked as an ice cream man, right? Driving an ice cream truck. That's how he would lure children to their deaths. Mm -hmm. And it shows him... Ugh, he looks like a despicable mean. I mean, they really did a good mm. job on making it's him a soul pretty. patch. It is a soul patch. Listen, folks, all fans of Comic Virgin right now, soul patches may be a little questionable. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm going to say. Make you think twice. <laughs> That's good. But you see that, like, he's picked up this little girl who wants an ice cream cone. And then you see her shoved into a deep freezer. Mm -hmm. And there's just, like, blood splatter everywhere. In fact, I think the panels are actually, dr like, drawn to look like blood splatter. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, there was... Uh, but that's him. Isn't that him, like, he's He's remembering that, right? Like, he's, right. he's relishing the thought of what he's done. Of what he's done. Exactly. Which shows, still a massive shithead. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt yeah, about it yeah. at that point. Well, uh, yeah, but it's making you like, oh, man, I can't wait for Spawn to kill this guy. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, like, from the get-go. Yeah. I'm like, all right, how many pages do we have mm -hmm. um, until we get there? You know, again, we return to these newscasters, and all eyes are sort of on the person that they've nicknamed Kitty Killer being released. Uh, what's going to happen to him? He sort of unsupervised out on the streets by him by himself the natural assumption is that he's going to kill again mm -hmm. and we have this really sort of sweet panel of um wanda blake looking over her daughter right like this very protective sort of like i love you i'll do whatever it takes to make sure that you're safe 
Um, and then there's just like a panel of Spawn sleeping in an alleyway. <laughs> yes, uh, and Spawn sleeps in alleyways forever. Mm-hmm. He is like king of the alleys. Like he, those are people he protects. That's where he lives. Right. Yeah. Uh, Detective Burke and Twitch are like, listen, we have to keep an eye on uh, Kincaid. Mm-hmm. That's just what has to happen. Because there's an entire page where, not so spoiler alert, he kills another child. Yes. He uh, goes back to being an ice cream man. Is this where the finger painting? Yes, Oof. the finger painting where he chops off all of her fingers, glues them to a piece of construction paper that's pinned mm-hmm. to a board. Yes. And I'm, that's, I'm like <laughs> at a loss for words. I mean, uh, I can't imagine like some parents seeing this and be like allowing their children to continue reading it. Well, my parents never saw it. Maybe that's the reason why you yes. turned into such a deviant. It's tough to say. Here he is dressed up as um, a woman. He has a lot of makeup on, bows in his hair, acting very childlike himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, finally puts that last finger on the board. Wanda Blake. God bless her. She... <laughs> She's just very proud of her family. Yes. Um, and we have Spawn trying to get as close as he possibly can to this family that he was never able to have. Yep. And he's just wearing a trench coat and a fedora and sort of like slinking around um, a schoolyard. Yes. Glowing green eyes, shaded face. <laughs> Maybe not the smartest move on his part, but I can it worked understand. worked out for him. I can understand why he would do it. Mm-hmm. Just as you were mentioning before, he is sort of a protector of um, folks who are uh, living on the streets. And there's uh, one scene where policemen just run over, um, you know, some of his friends <laughs> mm-hmm. in an alleyway. Yes. Uh, not, not the greatest start ever uh, to what's coming up in the next few scenes, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> I love how this particular issue ends. Yes. Uh, The ending of this issue was like the prime focal point for people complaining about the violence in the books Mm -hmm. and that character in general, but then also the, see, like he got what he should have got. And then there's the argument of like, it's pretty drastic. Yeah. But he got what he should have got. Right. So, yeah. Kincaid chained upside down in the nude. Popsicle sticks just crammed into orifices that Spawn has made himself all over his body. There's also an ice cream scoop that's been lodged in there, too. Like, a, mm-hmm. a melting popsicle is in his mouth. And he has on his stomach... Um, boys screamed and girls screamed, so I made him scream and scream and scream. Yeah. Uh, and you have Detective Burke just standing in the doorway looking at what Spawn has done. Yeah. Uh, not, I mean, probably not overly caring, but... Yeah, yeah no, yeah. no way. I mean, they were on a stakeout. <laughs> Spawn practically did their job for them. Yeah, but that, that scene right <laughs> there is huge, and... Um, I mean, that's it. Like, he killed... Like, he killed Kincaid, you know. Justice Mm -hmm. served, done and done, vigilante style. And then, um, beyond this, like, Kincaid ends up in a type of heaven, which is weird. And then has just 
come back into the books recently trying to recruit Al Simmons. Spawn gets wild all the time. They're like, we have to go back 29 years? Mm-hmm, yeah. That Almost Kin- 30 years? Kincaid was not around. <laughs> like, is they hardly ever bring him up and then all of a sudden boom he's back time is a flat circle man they're just reaching back into the past to come up with new ideas i don't blame them at the start of issue six we are introduced to overt kill overt kill and then in the box next to his name they talk about how he's called overkill and i think the way that works is something was already copyrighted called overkill so McFarlane put the T in there for his name, yet made it known that we're going to call him Overkill. Right. Overkill is just too much. Yes. yes. <laughs> the hard T is, makes it a challenge to say. Yes. And <laughs> this, I mean, this is in the first graphic novel, but obviously this is kind of a standalone palate cleansing issue after the whole Kincaid and that first run up of Spawn. Right. Because it... When I reread this, it does feel disjointed in the way that you can tell it's 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 a a, a new storyline. Right. And in this yeah, in this particular collection, like this is the last one, right? Mm-hmm. Like issue number six, and so it just sort of leaves on a a cliffhanger, right? Yes. Uh, to be quite honest, I wasn't a big fan of this story arc. To, like even just like the begin beginning of it, not yeah. over, really one over. Overkill. I I feel like he was almost drawn as a as a throwaway because he's this. He is the stereotypical, like, if you make a joke about 90s comic characters being gritty, and he is that. He's got cybernetic arms, he's got one eye, shirtless for no reason, plenty of pouches. It, he's the exact epitome of, like, trash superheroes. Uh, of course, he's a you know a bad guy. Vigil, uh, you know he's a mercenary, or whatever, and he, he goes to work for the for the mafia in this. But um, yeah, he's another character though that it turns out comes back and comes back and comes back and comes back in different mm-hmm. iterations throughout the course of Spawn's um, time. And in in this storyline, you have. Um the violence is much more like explosions, yes. right? In in comparison to the gore that we've seen in the first f- five issues, mm-hmm. it sort of takes on a different flavor. And here uh, we are introduced to the mob families, right? Mm-hmm. And so they have hired Overt Kill. Ugh, even just saying it, <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. Um, to track down the person who's been killing uh, members of their families, yes. their gangs. And he and Spawn, you know, eventually come to this point where they are fighting each other. Yeah. yeah. And Spawn recognizes pretty quickly that, like, he's fighting a cyborg. And so it's not going to be as easy as if he were, you know, sort of punching just a mere mortal. Yes. Again, yeah, nothing a- a- about this was particularly wowing to me. I just yeah. I got through it as quickly as I could. I-, I think I think one reason that Overkill doesn't land, prob- and maybe as well for you, I don't know if this is the case, um, it may be, uh, is that he's not a supernatural character. Oh, maybe that's a good, yeah. And up until now, I mean, Kincaid, of course, child murder, but... Violator, Melbolgia, Spawn, all these characters have a supernatural bent. Mm-hmm. And Overkill's just like, hey, look at me, I'm part robot. 
I don't need you to read me that hard on a podcast, please. (laughs) (laughs) Keep that information to yourself next time. Don't analyze me. (laughs) Yeah, and we're really just left at the end of issue six with Spawn standing um, very sort of like majestically, you know, with... Mm -hmm. Stoic. Yeah, very stoic. With all of his chains wrapped around him, he has ammunition that's strapped to his body. I'm just like, okay. That, that's an important that, that's an important page. Okay, um, well, lay it on me then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Al Simmons with guns. That's a thing that starts with this and then continues heavily through all of the rest of his run. Al Simmons being a soldier, like, he's super comfortable with all types of weaponry and knives and everything. And as he finds, like, in this he's using the guns because he's fighting overkill and just brain-wise he doesn't know how his powers work. Mm-hmm. But once he finds out that, like, his powers are finite, he definitely falls into that soldier aspect of his training and his, and his, and he, yeah, he goes and robs storehouses and stuff of weaponry because, I mean, that's, that's the way to take out, because (laughs) he just continually fights bigger and badder, like, motherfuckers throughout the run. Mm-hmm. So he's constantly just like ramping it up. So this this is the first time you see Al with uh in, as as Spawn with all of these guns, and it, it definitely is something that you'll see as if you keep reading Spawn, which it seems like you might because I think you really like Spawn. Yeah, I had a really good time, um, and you know, sort of that brings us to the conclusion of the first volume that yeah. we have here. And so, well, you know, I. It, it does put it in context him you know having these weapons Mm -hmm. again sort of fell flat for me in issue six but again one through five like i'm on board Mm -hmm. i'm ready to go that sort of storytelling and those types of characters were just again uh a joy to read right like even though they were despicable creatures Mm -hmm. i was really just drawn to them well spoiler alert issue seven is Spawn just whipping Overkill's ass and shooting him a thousand times until he's just ahead, and then shooting that too? Ooh, yes. I'm gonna make a note <laughs> of that in case that ever. <laughs> they fight on the docks. Oh well, okay. And then issue eight, do we go back to Spooky Scaries or do we? Yes, okay. I think I, uh, I don't know. It's okay. Yeah. I put you on the spot. I didn't mean to. You have a compendium, though. You yeah. should know. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, but I'm reading. Uh, I'm, I'm going back and I'm reading uh, the compendium first one, which is one through fifty, and uh, I'm in the thirties, so it's hard for me to remember the specific issue numbers. I remember the seven because when I was looking at the compendium today before we recorded. I read issue seven and went, oh, too far, too mm-hmm. far. I'm not going to call you a poser, but, you know. Oh, it's that's in, completely fine. It's in the back of my mind. Yes. No. It's all fake. It's all bullshit. <laughs> I'm doing this for the money. You guys. All that comic virgin cash. It's coming in hot. Piling in. All right. Are there any, what, you know, sort of final takeaways for you having, again, revisited these first six issues? What was that like for you again? Uh, it was great. Like I say, I had it hadn't been that long for me since I had done it, um, but yeah, I, I think I'm surprised most as a comic reader when I go back and look at these, at I you can just see like the development um, of McFarland's writing and art style. Um, you can all, I can also see like where computer coloring was at at the time mm-hmm. and where it is now, and 
comparatively, uh, in a future episode of Comic Virgin, uh, I will be tasking Delaney with the origin of Venom, and she will get to see a lot of early McFarlane Marvel artwork with very flat coloring, and, you know, it, it, there's just definitely this evolution of that, and then just reminding myself of that character. Um, for all the hate McFarlane gets, and for some of the hate that Spawn has gotten, that I've given him grief over in those times where it which was not good, um, McFarlane has definitely turned things around. Spawn's going great. Um, there's been talks of movies for a while. Another like reboot movie. They've been talking of a TV show. McFarlane has insisted that he's going to direct the movie, which I don't know if that's going to stall it out or not. But there's so much stuff going. The fact that he has that many monthly Spawn-related comics out right now, the action figures are selling well, it might as well be 1992 again. For McFarlane, uh, Spawn is back big. He's been in the, he was in the last Mortal Kombat game. Um, yeah, he's Spawn's kicking off, uh, continuing to be a big player in comics and the longest running independent comic of all time. Yeah, yeah, Guinness World Record uh, holder. Oh, that's really surprising. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one day I hope to be a Guinness World Record holder for I- eating spaghetti. Listen here. All right. Are you ready? It's come to the point where we have to give it a rating. Ooh, a rating. Okay. I was trying to think. Out of five, um, gross underbites. Mm-hmm. How many gross underbites would you give it? Would I give Spawn? I'm going to say just the, the issues that just we read. Just the issues yes. that we read. One through six. I'm, I'm going to give them... I'm going to give them a four out of five. Uh, they didn't get that last star because that sixth issue, it's, a, it's the trade paperback. They generally collect six at a time. That's what. But for the story, especially reading it as that, that sixth issue is just out of place. Can I give half an underbite? Like four and a half mm-hmm. underbites? Certainly. Yeah, then that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. Uh, I imagine it's just like not the very tip. There's just no teeth. Yeah. It's just jaw. Just jaw. That's a really good one. Somehow worse. Yeah, I don't want to think about mm. that. So four and a half out of five gross underbites from me. Again, I think I'm with you on on issue number six. Again, falls flat. But everything else was solid for me. And I was really... Um, excited that you chose uh, Spawn for this round, and I'm not gonna. Yeah, I won't complain about it. Looking forward to reading more issues. Awesome, fantastic! Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Comic Virgin. Of course, if you're listening to us on Spotify, be sure to leave us five stars and follow us. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcast, be sure to give us five stars and leave a written review. We will be reading reviews on coming episodes. Also, we've got some stickers and maybe some other merch coming in. And trust me, if we read your review during an episode, we are going to hook you up with something. I love it. I've seen the stickers. You're really going to want one. Really going to want several. (laughs) Stick them on everything. Uh, And, of course, check us out over on the Instagram at... Comic Virgin Pod. Comic Virgin Pod on Instagram. And uh, that's where we're at currently. And we will be back next week with another episode. What will Delaney be reading? Oh, you're just going to have to tune in to find out. She doesn't know either.